Friday night, went out downtown with a few friends. Good time. But I notice every time I go up to the bar, I, I kind of dread it in some in some sense. Mainly because it's so packed. There's people everywhere. The counter's sticky. But the most annoying thing is whenever you're trying to signal the bartender if it's a busy night, I'm just not good at flagging the person down. Or maybe I'm not assertive enough to just go in and like get what you need. Because I feel like sometimes you have to be pretty aggressive. Otherwise, people will just cut in front of you. Especially if they're like a good-looking girl. They're going to get first pick. You end up waiting there for such a long time. And then because of my accent, it's already noisy. If I ask for something, they don't even know what I'm saying. And sometimes it gets... I'll simplify my drink order or just get something that maybe I normally wouldn't have gotten just to make it easier. Sometimes if someone else is going, if someone else is going to go to the bar, I'll let them go. But then I can feel bad because everybody has to do their share in terms of like buying around. Oh, this one, this round's on me. And then so on. Well, whenever it's my turn, I almost want to say, here, take my card and you go order. Because I don't even want to order. I'll pay for it, but I don't even want to order. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's kind of a pain in the ass. If a bar is so crowded that it's like several people deep, personally, that's just too crowded of a bar for me. You know, that's not my speed, so to speak. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. If I'm just trying to hang out and chill, I don't want to go someplace where there's a bunch of people. When you're trying to carry a few drinks, pick them up from the bar and then turn around. Unless you have a friend like right next to you to sort of get a bucket brigade going on with the drinks trying to carry multiple in one hand as you're leaving the bar with everybody trying to take your spot again, something's spilling. Here's here's an idea. You know how if you uh, go to like a fast food place and you're ordering several meals, they give you the sodas and that like cardboard drink holder? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they should uh, have some kind of a system like that at, uh, at bars. Or, or, or you know what? Just like the next time you go, just bring in the cardboard six pack. <laughs> <laughs> just don't throw the next time you buy a six pack. Don't throw away the cardboard uh, carrier that they come yeah. in. Just it folds up nice and flat. Just bring that into the bar. That's an idea. <laughs> order order a few drinks for your you know around for your friends and just put them in the holder and walk away. I like that to go, please. So at, at this bar we went to. Uh, I'm ordering, so there's, there's 10 of us, so I'm like, you know, let me get just 10 rum and cokes, and he gets out the 10 little plastic cups, they're, uh, they're not even the red solo cups, the the clear plastic little cups that are pretty flimsy, like if you set them on the table outside, they're blowing away, puts a little bit of ice in all of them, but there's 10 of them, so he tries to get creative, so you can tell this guy's a, okay, he wants to be a bartender, in New York City at some fancy rooftop bar. So he stacks two rows of, I think, three a three by two of cups. Then he puts two more on top and he tries to space them out, try to build like a little pyramid. And I'm just, I'm sitting there like, I don't know if this is going to work. So he builds up this three-tiered pyramid with these cups, these ten cups. Puts the ice in and you can tell it's struggling to, it looks like it's going to fall over at any at any moment. And he starts to put rum in them, and then notices the bottom cups are already buckling from the weight, even though it's not holding much weight. So I look at him, and then he kind of glances up and looks at me. And if they were real glasses, this would have been cool because as he when he 
put the coke back on top. Once you fill the top one, it would have trickled down, and he'd look so cool, and probably would have. Well, hold on, this is this is this is what I was thinking about as you were describing it, and I'm confused. So this makes sense when you're doing like uh, wine or champagne or something like that, where you do the waterfall effect. You pour into like yeah. the top of the pyramid, and then it goes down. I don't understand how that would work with the mixed drink, because each drink is supposed to have a particular ratio of liquor to chaser, right? Yeah. So how how would that have even worked? I don't think he realized that. He immediately tried to backtrack and took all the cups and put them in in just a couple of rows, and then no no trickle effects or waterfall effect. Yeah, I don't think he thought that out. Great idea. Would look cool. Maybe not applicable. I just remember this. I was standing at the bar, and I just see this thick cloud of smoke. Not smoke. Sorry, not smoke. What is it? Vapor. And I look around confused. Where did this come from? Because it just all of a sudden materialized. This this person next to me kind of looked at me and noticed that I had this confused or probably angry looking face. And she's like, oh, you know, sorry. But then as she's talking, like more and more vapor keeps coming out. (laughs) Let's take a, a vape detour here for a second. Because you do see those things everywhere now. And it seems like people have push the boundary of like where you're allowed to smoke uh-huh. because it's not technically smoke. It's, it's this it's vapor, right? So mm-hmm. is, do you find that rude? Like when people are vaping in some place, which you clearly would not be allowed to smoke or there's like vape vapor billowing out and getting into people's, you know, space and everything. Like clearly that would not be okay. If it was smoke, you'd be considered really rude, but is it still rude if it's, Somebody vaping with vapor? Now, I've, I've, I've never tried vaping. I don't know what, what it tastes like, but it doesn't smell like anything. Sometimes it's flavored and I think kind of fruity, but to, to be honest, I can't even remember if I've noticed that and like the second the secondhand vapor oh, yeah, it's still it's fruity at all, but I just know some of them are flavored and some of them are not. I do think it's less rude than cigarettes, but it, the, when, it, when you first see the, the vapor, the immediate thought, okay, someone's smoking. Right. But it is much, much more dense, and it just, it just looks different. I mean, I if somebody's gonna blow it, you know, in my face, or more likely someone's just going to be upwind of me, I would much rather that they be vaping than smoking. Yeah, because it doesn't really, it's, it's not as harsh or something to, to get blown at you than, than smoke. But uh, it's still, yeah, I, I agree though. I, I. Whenever I see something like going on, because I've been conditioned by like decades of smoke, mm-hmm. I just have this initial reaction of, oh, God, this person's like blowing all this smoke over here or whatever. And if I do notice that it's vape, I do kind of take back my reaction a little bit. I'm like, all right, well, at least it's just this vape. I, I, I think I, I'd equate it to, so whenever i in the vicinity of someone smoking, I smell it before I see it. And then I get annoyed because it's, it's irritating to me and it, it causes a bunch of other... Yeah, I start to itch, and I just get... I just don't like the smell. Would you find it less rude if uh, someone was vaping and you were getting all the vapor blown at you and it was, like, grape-flavored <laughs> or something? Yeah, if what's it was blown what's directly... Your favorite, what's your favorite fruit flavor? I, I kind of like all of them, but not... I, I mean, grape's okay. I, I don't mind grape. So if someone's so if someone's vaping and, all, you know, upwind of you and all the vapor's blowing at you, but it's at least you know, orange flavored or something. Does that, do you're like, all right, that's fine. 
Does it not? Does that not bother you as much? Hypothetically, mm, I I won't be pleased. Like, oh, I won't be welcoming it, saying, "Oh, great, this is blow some awesome. my way." Yeah, please. I'm so glad you're standing next to me. No, I don't think I'll be pleased. I, I I'd be less bothered compared to if it were an actual cigarette, like cigarette smoke. But if it's blown directly in my face, then I'd be I'd be kind of pissed. Was this was this girl? who was was vaping at the bar so this was actually in the bar like inside inside yeah are they are you allowed to vape indoors i have no idea i've seen it a few places like at at some bars and i remember going to walmart and this this kid was vaping in there i think that was (laughs) vaping in walmart yeah yeah there's no way that walmart there's no way that walmart is okay with that it's just okay this this was a few years ago because I remember that was the first time I saw someone actually use it uh, because I was like, what is this guy holding? Or why is this guy holding this pencil in this weird way? Then I just saw this giant cloud come out of his face. <laughs> I remember thinking, what? What is happening? I think that was the first time. That was a few years ago. I've seen people do it on their break. Like they're still in their work uniform and they're outside just vaping. And I don't think I've seen anyone inside do it but i actually don't know the rules if you're allowed to do it inside i i have to believe there's no way you're allowed to do it inside i know for a fact you're not allowed to do it on a plane because they feel the need to even say that now really yes have you noticed that no i have not usually i just put my music on and i'm kind of checked out already no i i've i've flown recently and have them explicitly state like you're not allowed to to vape on the plane because it's obvious everyone knows you're not allowed to smoke, and the little "do not smoke" signs are everywhere on the plane. But I wonder what a "do not vape" sign looks like. Well, it depends on how detailed the iconography is. Because sometimes the little cigarette and the no smoking sign has like a ziggy zaggy, like burnt kind of end to it, you know. Yeah. So I guess you just take that away and just make it a perfect cylinder. Yeah. So I I looked up something. And it's the same, that symbol you described with the cigarette, but also just underneath it is the same cylinder, but a the battery symbol for plus minus on either end to signify it's electronic. Yeah, I'm looking at some signs right now, and it does look, uh, it almost looks a little bit like a lightsaber handle. Yeah, it does. <laughs> at least in the one that I'm looking at. Like if this was 15 years ago, pre-vaping revolution, I would have seen this... Uh, and if you would have showed me like the that icon, I'd have been like, "What the hell is that?" I, I might have actually thought it was like a lightsaber or something. Who knows? Maybe fifteen years from now, we'll have to add that because we might be carrying around lightsabers. Who knows what kids will be sucking on fifteen years from now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, when you face it like that, just just keep innovating. Yeah, something to look forward to, I guess. So I recently had to go to the bank to deposit some cash because I've been doing some good old-fashioned blue-collar real man's work and making a little little cash on the side. So I go to the bank and deposit some cash using the ATM that they have rather than going up to a teller because I usually don't like to like interact with, with interact with people if I don't have to. <laughs> And it's just easier to put my 
put my money into the machine. Well, because also, I know this isn't true anymore. Like nowadays, at least with the, the bank that I have, um, which is like a big national national bank. Now, I, I do know that if you go up to the teller, you can just, you just like put your debit card into the thing and they connect it to your checking account. But it used to be for the longest time, you'd go and then you'd have to fill out this stupid piece of paper and you had to have your account number memorized and all that. And I would never have it memorized. And so it would always just be, yeah, it would just always be super annoying to have to go to the teller. And I know that's no longer the case now, but I still am just conditioned to not want to have to go to the teller and deal with that. So I go to the ATM and this is like a different, I don't know, maybe ATMs have changed over the years and that. And I, I, for the longest time, I haven't really been having an income of like having cash come in that I need to deposit. Right. For the longest time I was paid just with direct deposit and I don't really use cash for anything. I just always pay with my credit card. So I'm not used to having to interact with ATMs anymore. So I try to put my cash into this ATM and it's got this little tray thing that you're supposed to put the money in. And I, maybe I should even take a picture of this to explain. And the next time I go, I'll take a picture of it. So it's clear, but basically there's this tray where you're supposed to put your money. It looks like, but the tray is actually the lid this like door that slides away. And then the real place where you're supposed to put your money is this is, is hidden it, but it looks like you're just supposed to put your money on top of this thing, this like door and it's not clear. So I start to like put my money there and then the door slides away and like practically knocks the money out of my hand, all this <laughs> crap. And I'm like, what the hell's and then I realized you have to put it in. So then I put it in and the money I had had it like rolled up with like a rubber band around it because it was rolled. It wouldn't lay flat. So it kept rejecting the money. And then I had to like really like crease it and do all this garbage. And finally it accepted the money. But It was like a way longer process than it needed to be. And I found it super annoying. So the next time I go back to deposit some more cash and I'm like, all right, well, I just remembered the ATM being a, a real pain in the ass. So I'm like, I'm just going to go up to one of the tellers because the tellers were not doing anything. There was like nobody there. So I go up and I'm like, all right, I just need to deposit some cash. And they're like, okay, well, the ATM's just, just right over there. <laughs> they were like, they didn't, like, you could just use the ATM. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll do that since you obviously don't want to help me, I guess. So I go over to the ATM and I forgot about this stupid, the, the place where you put your money is not, that's not actually it. It's just the door and the door moves and the real place to put your money is underneath. And I, I forgot about it and did this exact same thing again, just sat my money on top and then the, the door flies open and all the money's like flying everywhere and that. So the teller comes over and she's like, oh yeah, Sorry. You know, a lot of people are fooled by that and are can are confused by the fact that that's, you have to wait for that thing to open. And they're like, yeah, it, there's supposed to be like adding signs onto the ATMs that's explicitly state, like, wait for this door to open or something like that. And I'm just like, what is preventing you from just writing a note on a like a sticky note or a piece of paper or something and just sticking it on here? Like this apparently happens enough. To where you know it's an issue and you're telling me that like, yeah, you notice that happened on a regular basis 
It's happened to me twice. And so clearly this is like a bad design situation. And like, what is, what is preventing you from just taking any kind of initiative in the slightest to put up a little sign or something like this just, this just drove me absolutely nuts when she, when she said that. So yeah, I wrote this on our, our list, our doc thing of topics as a, a, a just a, a, a wonderful example of not my jobism, which is like, you know, I'm just a teller. My job is to, to be over here at my station and do this and that. My, my job description does not include writing notes to stick on ATMs, but it's just, oh my God, it just drives me, this drives me nuts when, when you see this, this kind of thing at places of business. The, the not my job is, uh, that's a, a very, I'll say common problem all over. Any job has that type of thing from cashier, teller, even to some other corporate firms. And I, I can understand it. So what incentive does this bank teller have to go put the sign up? Does it it doesn't impact the person's day? Tell they, they'll just tell the, the customer, oh yeah, it's not working, or we're going to put up a sign, or whatever. It, it's easy just to say that, because it doesn't impact my day. I still get paid the same. Why should I care? And that, that's, that's part of the big problem where there's really no incentive to do any better or to, to think outside the box or come up with something different because oftentimes, and maybe like when I first started working, I remember, you know, all young and you're eager to do good things. And then sometimes you try some of that stuff and then it, it may work out, it may not. But over time, you maybe maybe get conditioned to just doing your old job or doing your set tasks at hand and then nothing more, nothing less. And I think most people kind of fall into that type of mindset. Yeah, I'm going to push back a little bit on the you have no incentive to improve the improve the business or the customer experience specifically in this case. I don't see how it's good for your employment to willfully allow for customers to have a poor experience. You know, you know what I mean like a lot of people don't see that. I I think that maybe just that there's a lack of of thinking just a little bit ahead. You know, like long term, like that's not good for your for your job to to allow something like that to go on. You know, like your your job security is going to be protected by by things like that, right? Like, I mean, the ATM. I don't, this is this is in particular a strange situation because this is like a teller and a ATM, which is basically a robot replacing tellers. <laughs> So this is a particularly strange interaction, right? To go back, before I even had the issues with the ATM, the fact that I would go in and go up to the teller and tell her that I need to deposit money, and her response is, oh, there's an automated teller right here, which is a robot, which can do my job faster than I can. Use that instead is just a bizarre decision to me. Right. That'd be like if you go into a grocery store and you've got a few things and you go into like, uh, go up to one of the cashiers and they're like, oh, well, the self checkouts are, are open actually. So you can just go over there and, and do it yourself. Like, would you, would you not? I, I, I don't know. The only thing keeping your job in existence is the fact that some people still have a preference to interact with people, especially if there's any kind of like a nuance or like, 
intricacy to the particular thing that has not been captured by the machine yet. So why would you not want to do that that task that, that still is protected and make sure the customers really want to interact with you and not the machine? It's just bizarre to me. Like they're working themselves out of a job. Maybe she is playing like four-dimensional chess here. And what was really going on is she knows that the ATM is a pain in the ass and that I was going to get confused and that it would almost eat my money. And so she she told me to go use that thing so that I would have a bad experience with it so that I would be less inclined to use the ATM in the future and that I would maybe complain about it and the company would realize that, uh, you know, automation is not always a good thing. Maybe she's oh. playing, maybe she's really is playing the long game and she's just smarter than I am. And, you know, she's, again, thinking about things on a whole other level. Probably not. Another aspect to that is, I don't know anything about banking, so I'm, I may be making a big assumption, but the person, like whatever, head teller in the bank, maybe gets some sort of bonus or other type of perk if the machine gets used more. Does that make does that make any sense? Because I guess they got to keep track of how many people use an ATM. I'm sure they keep, keep track. track I'm sure they keep track of that. I'm not following. Yeah. I'm not connecting the dots on why the tellers would in any way have their performance um, dependent upon usage of the ATM, though. But maybe there's some there's some method, or at least I'll, I'll use the example at work. We've got a system that's the equivalent of cruise control for this process and there's some there's there's more incentive to use that system i'm trying to relate that to in terms of the banking which i would i don't know why a teller would benefit from people using the atm but maybe there's some other background thing having the teller tell you to go use it and having you have a bad experience that's that's some pretty deep thinking i would i, would, I don't think i would have came to that same conclusion yeah, I mean, to be clear, I'm not actually saying that that was her thought. I think it was just laziness, to be honest. <laughs> That's the simplest explanation, and I think most likely, is she was too lazy to want to handle, take care of me, and also too lazy to put her own sign on the machine so that people don't have bad experiences. That's what if they're not assessment. allowed to? Yeah, what if they're not, are not they're allowed, allowed to put to... signs? Here's the thing is, I was not in the mood for a confrontation and to get in that argue with someone... <laughs> So I didn't say to her face, like, why don't you just put a sign on here? Because I, I just didn't want to deal with that. Mm. Yeah, the, the, the other question I had is when you came to this bank, how were you dressed? Like in normal clothes or your work clothes? I wasn't in work clothes. I was in pretty, you know, casual attire, I guess. I'm thinking the pretty woman sort of. <laughs> maybe Maybe they just didn't want to deal with you. Because no, you looked like you were a little rough around the edges. I was not wearing the work clothes that are like covered in gross stuff, like with paint and all that kind of crap. I wasn't dressed like that. I was dressed acceptably. I wasn't wearing a suit or anything, you know, but I didn't look like a bum. Because another random thought that came to me is like, okay, you came to deposit cash. Maybe they just didn't want to deal with you specifically, not just... I customer in general. Yeah, no, that that that's a good follow up question. That is true, and and not an unreasonable thing to ask since I was because of the the work that I was doing. But 
Mm. Yeah, no, it's it, I'm going to go ahead and cross that off the list of causes. <laughs> This this actually came out like a few weeks ago or something like that at, at this point, but we just haven't recorded an episode in a while because Cree and I have had a lot a lot going on. Um so that's the, the cause of our podcast drought here. But so I guess we'll still bring this up anyways, because it's probably I don't think it's going away, you know? Um But yeah, so Google and uh Facebook and Apple, all these big tech companies, they always do like a yearly conference. That's like an opportunity to show off all of their new stuff, basically. And Google just had theirs. And one of the things that they were showing off was this feature called Google Duplex. And it's this feature that lets the Google personal assistant call like retail places of business and like make appointments and things like that. So the demos that they showed, one of them was calling a hair salon and booking a appointment for like a haircut. And the other demo was calling a restaurant and trying to book a reservation. So those kinds of tasks. And it was very bizarre because the Google assistant was basically pretending to be like a real human assistant. It never identified itself as being a any kind of like a digital thing. And beyond that, it even was like mimicking human mannerisms and like uh, speech ticks. So basically, what I just did two seconds ago, where I said like, uh, and I had to, and I was thinking about what to say next. This Google Assistant was doing the same type types of things. So. It had ums and uhs and and these like filler things, which a AI assistant has absolutely no need for. These like artificial things added in to make it seem like a like a person. In the same way that like if you're making electronic music, you can program the different instruments and things to all be exactly perfectly on time. But you can also tweak it so that it's like not quite perfect and it sounds more like people, like humans playing instruments trying to keep time but aren't able quite to do it and so the tempo kind of swings a little bit. That's that type of thing. It's like art- making it artificially seem less, like artificially inferior basically to be more human, which is very strange. I found this whole thing very creepy and like we we can link to a video for those who haven't seen it. We've been working on this technology for many years. It's called Google Duplex. It brings together all our investments over the years in natural language understanding, deep learning, text-to-speech. Let's say you want to call a restaurant, but maybe it's a small restaurant which is not easily available to book online. The call actually goes a bit differently than expected. So take a listen. Hi, um, I'd like to reserve a table for Wednesday the 7th. For seven people? Um, it's for four people. Four people when? Um, Wednesday at 6 p.m. 
Oh, actually, we live for like upper like five people. For few, four people, you can come. How long is the wait usually to uh, be seated? For when tomorrow or weekday or? For next Wednesday, uh, the seventh. Oh no, it's not too busy. You 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 can come for four people, okay? Oh, I got gotcha. you. Thanks. Bye bye. Again, that was a real call. We have many of these examples where the calls quite don't go as expected, but the assistant understands the context, the nuance. It knew to ask for wait times in this case and handled the interaction gracefully. Uh, but yeah, it was, I found it pretty unsettling, to be honest, specifically the, the way that it was mimicking humans and our imperfections of speech. So after this was shown off, there was like a really big backlash against Google for like the ethics behind this on several levels because the people who they called at these businesses were basically kind of being experimented on or almost like prank called, you know, depending on how you want to think about it, I guess. So these people had no idea what was, what was going on. So that seems a little, you know, a little sketchy. So people took offense to underpaid, service employees basically being Google's guinea pigs of experimentation. And then you go a little further out, you know, timeline wise, and people are very worried about some of these technologies developing to a point where it's like, uh, you know, do you even need people like receptionists or, or jobs like that? If a AI can just dialogue with people and, you know, accomplish tasks like scheduling and, and things like that. So there was concerns about that. So what, what, you mentioned that this is where my mind went to when I first thought about this system. So in the, in the, in the video, it was the AI calling real people and setting up oh, these, these real businesses and talking to real people. Right. But if this you know, takes off, eventually you could have it on both sides. Two robots talk to each other in a this artificial human way. That would be a bizarre situation and just so mm -hmm. incredibly inefficient. So it's like they're both needlessly faking being a human. That's like putting two two Furbies across from each other and just letting them continually go back and forth or something. So the, the, this reminds me of so I, I, there's a couple things here that that I see potentially bad the first one is the way the way I, I imagine the ai system to to operate is to find a solution for scheduling a like a, an appointment there may be some predefined terms that you say oh the, the user specifies for date time and how long and what if the like the the, the business who's going to whatever satisfy the the appointment doesn't quite have anything that matches or it's got its own type of, I'm going to call it an optimizer. And if the two AIs are talking to each other or trying to find the best solution, what if they come up with something that is a solution, but it's just totally maybe, but it involves maybe like the, the destruction of planet earth, something like I'm, I'm heading that way. Basically I'm referring to the movie, I robot, with Will Smith. Yeah, this is and, and, I've been I've been waste 
I've been waist deep in this stuff for several years now. Yeah. And yeah, th these are all really common concerns that uh, people have. And so there's like one of the, one of the memes is basically like if you programmed an AI to make paper clips and you don't put certain restrictions in place, this AI is just going to constantly exclusively focused on how to make the most paper clips at the best, you know, most profitable cost. And eventually they will like consume all of planet earth's resources constructing paper clips. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you, you know, it's, it's, it's that type of a thing. So yeah, that, I mean, that's a huge, that could be a 10 hour discussion. So we can't even oh, really yeah. scratch the surface of that, but yeah. So I, Again, mainly, I guess I was from the context of this this podcast specifically about you know social interactions and, and that kind of stuff. My concern was over specifically the asymmetry of this conversation, where one person thinks that they're talking to another person, but in reality they're just talking to a robot. How do you know that's not happening right now? Uh I guess. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I guess I don't. I'd have to have to. I'd have to cut you open and look around inside, like Westworld style. There, there are automated. I don't even know what to call them, but like automated phone services, right? So it's like if you ever have to call customer service for like uh, your internet or something like that. It's like it's generally an automated like press one for this, or the more sophisticated ones are just say, "Tell me what you need help with." And then you say, my internet is not working. And then they're like, your internet is not working? Is that correct? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So services like that already exist, which have kind of replaced jobs. So it's not even, it's not even that level of, it's just like the pretending to be human. And again, the most weird part of it was, was like the speaking mannerisms and the ums and, and that kind of stuff. It was very, I found it very off-putting. And I also wondered like how would employees of businesses feel about talking to these things so i i posted on my personal facebook to see if anybody had thoughts on this like anybody who works any kind of like a service job how they would feel about talking to one of the one of these things then a couple of people replied to it who have to deal with like talking to customers over the phone on a regular basis i guess and they basically said we would rather talk to a robot than real people because real people are assholes. That's <laughs> like the conclusion. They said, you know, so long as the AI is programmed to be polite, like they'd rather just talk to an AI because the AI nice. is not going to like cuss you out and be a jerk and really difficult. And, you know, if you, if you tell them something they don't want to hear, they're not going to argue with you and all that kind of stuff. And I, f I was very surprised by that, uh, <laughs> I was very surprised by that. That was pretty funny. Wasn't expecting that kind of response, but I could actually see that. And I've been a little blinded to that because aside from, you know, working as a cashier briefly, for the most part, my jobs have been, have, have involved working internally with other employees of the company, which, I mean, other people can, other employees can also be a pain in the ass, but it's not as bad as interacting with customers directly, um, which is my experience. Working as a retail cashier was like, oh, people could be so mean and difficult. So I had kind of not considered that angle of, <laughs> of 
you know, and being a, a relief to not have to deal with people. Something else, I, I, I do agree with you. And I think working with, like, working retail or working directly with the general public is a pretty tough job because you, you generally have to always be nice. And the phrase, you know, the customer's always right, but they're also really ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be cut out for retail. That, that sounds terrible. Since all of this backlash, initial backlash happened, Google has now come out and said that they, they they may be modifying it to self-identify as being a Google assistant and not a real person. And, you know, I, I, I hate, I hate the outrage culture and cycle of, of like the modern world in 2018, which is catalyzed by social media and how quickly things spread. And the fact that like just people get outraged over everything now and, all this kind of stuff. But I do find it pretty funny when there's like some kind of a outrage and backlash. And then there's like a outrage response to the outrage in the opposite direction. And there's like this weird oscillation back and forth. It's very strange. But so what I'm talking about here in this example is so everyone was outraged about, or at least the people in the tech sphere were kind of outraged over this, the ethical implications of this Google Assistant uh, Google duplex feature. And then some people were outraged by this, this outrage and started talking about like, these are the first steps towards like robot racism. Basically this is, this is the beginnings of this is a, <laughs> this is a glimpse into the future of artificial intelligence discrimination. So people, being mean to robots and AIs and all this kind of stuff. And these people were not trolling or being, you know, sarcastic or uh, satirical. There were a lot of people who genuinely believe this. And this is, I mean, you have to get pretty deep into the tech people, like the Silicon Valley types to find people who are very worried about this, but they definitely exist. And this even relates to, I, I saw recently an article about how around the Bay Area, there are like these delivery robots now. That, oh really? Yeah, they 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 drive around and I guess deliver food for certain restaurants or something like that. So instead of so already you know the task rabbiters and whatever these other services are to have people deliver food are already starting to be replaced by little robots driving around delivering meals, and people have apparently been like attacking these robots oh. <laughs> and like kicking them and and doing stuff to them, like being, being mean to them when they see them driving around, which I think is maybe just a backlash from some people of the fact that they are potentially going to be stealing delivery people's jobs and stuff like that. And people have commented on this as being like, this is a glimpse into the abuse and discrimination against robots that we're going to be seeing as they continue to replace more people's jobs and potentially surpass people and all this kind of stuff. So I am, I am a, in the camp that there is like no scientific physical limitations on how intelligent a artificial intelligence could be. And that at some point, probably there will be human created intelligences that surpass humans. I, I am in that camp, but I think it's a little bit of a overreaction to state that, you know, people kicking a little delivery robot or complaining about this Google duplex thing are, you know, this is sowing the seeds of like robot racism, basically. 
I think we're I think we're a little ways from that. Yeah, I I definitely see the train of thought. I would I would describe that as discrimination. But then again, in 2018, you could just identify as a robot or as an AI. <laughs> if you if you really wanted to. Oh god, yes. <laughs> I mean, it is technically technically true to say that if a business came out and said we refuse to deal with people's Google assistants, that would be discriminatory towards AIs, but it just seems ridiculous for 2018 because at the current time the Google assistant is not self-aware that we yeah. that we that we know of. Oh, it it well. is not is not self-aware and does not have consciousness yet, so it, it doesn't really feel like you know discrimination. But I'm trying to equate it to smokers or tobacco users. Uh, it could be that company policy, for whatever company decides, you know their policy, they want to do things the old-fashioned way and not have any AI. So it could just be their policy. We don't want to deal with AI. We have no AI. We are AI-free. And people who like that or prefer that, they serve those customers. One of the things that was pointed out to me by one of the people who commented on my Facebook post soliciting feedback on this duplex thing was about accessibility. And since then, I've heard other people discuss this. And it makes a lot of sense. And this was not something that I initially considered. But there is one good use case for this that seems you know totally benevolent which is someone who is not able to speak has or has like a severe speech impediment or a very thick accent which causes issues um you know talking with other people right. and so if they can have the google assistant basically be a middleman to handle these types of conversations that is a that seems like a good thing and something I would allow. So it was it was interesting to me to think about that because it feels I don't really like the idea of someone having to talk to a AI without knowing about it. But if the other person is using the AI because they have issues communicating, then it seems okay. But also you you know that if the AI is calling a you know, a business and talking to someone and they self-identify as an AI, the people are going to be more likely to just kind of hang up and not want to deal with them. This is, this is one of the concerns is like, if you implement some kind of a self-identification thing where the assistant calls and says that it's a, basically says it's a robot that people aren't going to want to deal with it and that they're just going to hang up and you could potentially catch some, accessibility users in that net, right? So there would be some people who would get screwed over and not be able to take advantage of this. And that would be unfortunate. So it's just, it's a, it's a more complicated situation than, you know, you might realize at first, at first glance. So this was an interesting thing for me to think about because it's like, I want people to use it because they need to use it for some reason. Also, what's kind of weird about this is, like we were talking about the ATM thing. I'm someone who usually does not like to have to interact with with people if I, if I don't have to. And I, I find, in particular, speaking on the phone to be a very uncomfortable situation. I don't know what it is, but I just I really don't like talking to the phone, especially to strangers. 
And so you'd think I would be someone who would use this type of thing, but even I still feel weird about delegating to this AI thing. So I don't know. There are different layers to this. Yeah, no, it is. It's a pretty, pretty complicated topic. And something, something I just thought about that the person that comes to mind that is maybe, and I, I don't know, well, Stephen Hawking, right? Right, right. So what, since, I don't know, when I was like a, when I was a kid, what, the, in the 90s? Maybe late 90s. I remember first hearing Stephen Hawking using his computer voice. I, I doubt he makes or made many phone calls, but if someone on the other end thought it was an AI, I don't know, I guess. I wonder how he must have felt, or how did he deal with that type of thing? Because, like you said, if some, if if you made a phone call, and or if if someone called you, and they happened to be, an, it happened to be an automated system, so I can see that being kind of off-putting, depending on what the what the circumstances are. Well, let me. I don't think we've even explicitly in the conversation we've been having. I don't think. I don't think I've just asked you directly how you would feel about this personally, right? So do you, at work, do you ever have to talk to people at other companies, any kind of customers or suppliers or anything like that? So a little bit, yeah. And I, a lot of what, what I do involves things happening over the phone. Right. So if you got a call from another company, someone at another company who, you know, say they were just busy, they had a lot on their plate. They're like, let me have my assistant, my digital assistant, call up this Korean guy and ask him about such and such a thing. How would you feel about that? <laughs> hmm. Uh, I think if it got the job done, I'd come to terms with it. I think I'd be a little bit annoyed because, oh, this person's too good to take time to talk to me. But then again, I could see times where I'll get a call at an inopportune time and just reducing any type of delay. But then that's a, I guess that's what voicemail's for. Because what if the person asks for something or the, you know, wants you to do something that the AI just can't do? It essentially will take a message maybe. But uh, I can see it being useful in relaying info to someone else. Um, I don't know how I'd feel about that. I, I got mixed feelings. Would you, well, let's just, let's just ask this then. Would you want to know that you were talking to a digital assistant and not a real person? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I'm of the same mind of, I would want to know that I was talking to a digital assistant and not a real person. And then I would be frustrated to be talking to a digital assistant. <laughs> And I would be like, why something about it seems almost like patronizing almost that like I'm carrying on this human conversation and this other thing is pretending to be a human and doing things to seem more human. Something about it just really kind of irks me. And again, I guess I specifically have in my mind this Google duplex version. Again, with like the mannerisms and the pauses and and things of that nature. Because then it starts to feel like you're like deliberately wasting my time in little increments to make me feel like I'm talking to another person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. You are artificially making yourself more 
difficult inefficient. To, more more inefficient for the sake yeah. of, of trying to like appease my monkey brain or something you know i find it <laughs> it just seems i don't know I, I i i do not like it and i feel like there are other if someone's too busy to have that conversation with me directly i feel like i'd rather just they use some other means of communication like all right let's just have a back and forth email thing yeah which i know isn't great either because it it's so much faster sometimes to just have a conversation quick and, call. And yep. a quick back and forth and hammer it out rather than you know i send you an email and you see it 20 minutes later and then you reply and then i see your reply an hour later you know i i know that's oh, yeah. its own set of challenges associated with that but something about this i just i wouldn't feel i would be pretty annoyed i would be annoyed if it was someone at another company and I think I would also, I think I'd be even more annoyed if it was someone internally at my own company that I was working at who was who was doing it. Then that feels especially kind of ridiculous. You know, like someone who's just in another department, but at the same company. For whatever reason, that feels even more ridiculous than someone at another company. But the whole having a human simulated voice like with the, the same mannerisms, what's really happening is, okay, I th- Google is trying to make something to appeal to those who don't like to talk with an AI. I just think about the concept of trying to please everybody. Some people will think, I mean, it is very cool to have a programmed system sound just like a human. Some people like it, some people don't. And then if you just have the the flat, like robotic voice, some people like that, some people don't. Because like you said, just get to the point. If we're trying to make this quick, get to the point. So I wonder if you you get a call or you have your AI have the option to say, would you like to talk to a human simulated or just a straight <laughs> robotic voice? Yeah. He can pick and choose. That's a that's an interesting idea. Yeah. Or what if you're someone that just doesn't want to talk like you want it to sound like a woman? Because I'm going back, I'm going uh, to like the GPS voice. If I have the option to pick the GPS voice, I'm picking the female with an English accent. Yeah, you know what? Stop everything. I have completely changed my mind about all this Google Duplex stuff. With one caveat, one I have one request to Google, and if they implement it, all is forgiven, and <laughs> you can use Google Duplex all you want. My request is, as the person answering, I have to be able to talk to Morgan Freeman. Okay, there if you go. Google Duplex, if if I could talk to just with more to with Morgan Freeman each time, I'll allow it. 